All right, welcome everyone to our uh, sixth edition of the Virtual Legislative Briefing Series. I'm Eric Boll, Missouri Farm Bureau's Director of Public Affairs and Advocacy. Today, we're going to be having a spe very special guest, Congressman Jason Smith. He'll be joining us in a few minutes. And uh, in a moment here, I will, I'll be introducing our president, Garrett Hawkins, and uh, he'll make some opening comments. But before that, I want to let you know how we are going to be taking questions from you today. If you are uh, on the phone, try to get something to write with so that you can take down a number I'm going to give you in just a minute. Uh, but if you're watching on Zoom, you can just type your questions into the Q&A box down at the bottom of your screen. That's the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. If you're watching on Facebook Live, you can just type your question into the comment area and we'll try to answer that. And then lastly, if you're listening to us on the phone, you can ask a question by texting it to us at 573-326-4501. Again, that's 573-326-4501. Just text us your question and we will try to get to it um, when we have an opportunity. Um, lastly, if there is anything that you hear today that you'd like to go back and listen to later, it's going to be available on our Facebook page. So just go to Facebook and search for Missouri Farm Bureau. The audio of the session is going to be on our Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau podcast, which you can subscribe to at mofb.org slash podcast. We'll also include a link in Monday's newsletter. If you don't already get that newsletter, you can sign up for our alerts at mofb.org slash newsletter. Now I would like to welcome Missouri Farm Bureau President Garrett Hawkins for some opening remarks. Garrett. All right. Thank you, Eric, and appreciate the chance uh, to, to be with you again today for this next installment of the virtual legislative briefing series. Here we go, getting video going. All right. Um, Wow, what a hectic time of year. I'm guessing uh, that if you are tuning in today, it is too wet to plant in your neck of the woods. Um, otherwise, you know, it's a great time uh, on the farm right now. I know in the next couple of weeks, we'll be getting up calves to wean and working cattle. And like all of you, there's just a lot going on as we enter this, this great new season. I also want to say your organization, uh, there's a lot going on as well. I threw on the tie today to spend a little time in the cattle uh, in the capital uh, with our Missouri Cattlemen's Association colleague, Mike Deering. Uh, we were there working on one of our joint priority issues and that's in a domain reform. Uh, you all are well aware that we're in the final four weeks of the state legislative session. So uh, there's a lot going on. If you tuned in last week, you had the chance to hear from our Senate and House Agriculture Committee Chairman, uh, Senator Burnsketter and Representative Don Roan last week, so if you're two weeks ago. So if you missed that, uh, make sure to go back to our Facebook page and you can pull up the video uh, from that session. So just, just know that uh, your team is hard at work every day uh, trying to, to make as much progress as we can as we look at this home stretch in the state legislative session. I also want to give you all a, a huge thank you for, for making our first and hopefully maybe our only sole virtual youth leadership day a success. Uh, we were so fortunate to have Governor Parson and Director of Agriculture Chris Chen 
uh, provide commentary for that endeavor as we put together content uh, for you to share with youth across the state. Uh, I have certainly enjoyed seeing all of the social media traffic, uh, the creativity that you as county leaders uh, showed in terms of interacting with your local ag teachers and students. Um, I've seen several instances where uh, many ag tours were set up uh, so the students would have the chance to, to visit with agribusiness leaders in addition to watching the Youth Leadership Day uh, video. So just a huge shout out that I uh, couldn't be more proud of you as county leaders, the way you continue to, to adapt and as we find new ways to continue to spread the Farm Bureau message and in this case, uh, help our youth understand the story of agriculture and, and try to help develop them. So just a, a great endeavor and, and thank Jennifer Poindexter and our public affairs team here for, for spearheading that effort and getting it off the ground. Also in recent weeks, we've had lots of activity in the form of coffee with Congress. We've had the chance and maybe some of you tuning in today have had the chance to visit with your member of Congress in one of those events uh, that have been do done both in person as well as virtually. Uh, those have been a great opportunity to talk about what's happening in DC, in some cases what's not happening. Uh, we've also had capital connection uh, in the state capitol and this past week uh, a couple of leaders from Northeast Missouri uh, were here, uh, Miss Andy Jackson and Caleb, uh, the collegiate president at, at Kirksville at Truman State. So we certainly appreciate it when you as county leaders are willing to raise your hand and make a trip to the state capitol to, to talk about Missouri Farm Bureau's priority issues uh, with your legislators and others that are serving uh, here in the state legislature. So, so those are a, a few things going on. Um, I will add that Kelly Smith provided an update uh, a few weeks ago on the black vulture uh, depredation program that Missouri Farm Bureau is partnering with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service on. Uh, Kelly has been busy fielding calls and, and providing information and applications to uh, landowners who are, are facing issues uh, with black vultures. So again, he continues and will continue to be the point of contact for Missouri Farm Bureau. So if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Kelly at 573-893-1416. Uh, again, 573-893-1416. And finally, before I pitch it to Spencer for a, a deep dive into infrastructure, since that is uh, the topic uh, du jour in DC, um, <clears throat> I, I just, I, I want to note that Again, there, there's a lot going on tax policy and the intersection of, of that with infrastructure, uh, just a lot to pay attention to. Make sure also that uh, you take a look at the new issue of Show Me Missouri Farm Bureau magazine that's hitting mailboxes now. There are updates on feral hogs, a great piece on agritourism ventures uh, in Missouri. So, so make sure to check it out. So Spencer, I'll turn it to you. All right, thanks so much, Garrett. Good afternoon, everybody. Appreciate the opportunity to give you all an update on some of the recent news coming out of Washington. I'm gonna share my screen here um, and just give you a quick update on, on some of the things we're paying attention to as we look to Congress's next priorities. 
So many of you have probably seen over the last week or so that President Biden has unveiled what he's calling an infrastructure plan or the American Jobs Plan is the formal name of the framework. Uh, this is a package uh, that has about a $2 trillion price tag. Uh, $621 billion of that is for transportation or, or what the administration is referring to as transportation and infrastructure. Um, you can see on your screen, there's a lot of different provisions included. Um, there's a lot of things that probably are, are good things for rural Missouri as far as repairing highways and roads and bridges. $115 billion uh, for that is included, as well as some money for rural broadband. Unfortunately, uh, as you could probably imagine, and as you've probably heard on the news, there are a lot of things in this infrastructure framework that don't have a lot to do with infrastructure. So um, I know that Congressman Smith is going to talk a lot about some of the tax provisions that are going to be proposed to pay for some of these projects. Um, but I wanted to go over this a little bit with you all today. We do also anticipate that in the next couple of weeks, the Biden administration may also release another framework known as the Caring Economy Framework, uh, which will be another large spending package. So uh, I would say there's a lot more to come in the arena of large government spending. One thing to keep in mind right now, and I think it's good to provide perspective on this front, is that this proposal, this infrastructure proposal right now is just a framework. No actual bill text has been filed to pass the infrastructure plan. So once a bill is filed, that is when the legislative debate will really commence. Uh, but in the meantime, there are a lot of steps that have to be taken uh, in order to talk through these issues. So all of the things you see on your screen are, are things that the Biden administration has said are priority infrastructure issues in this framework. There's other things in there, such as things related to healthcare and education and even COVID. Um, but the real concerning thing, especially for Missouri Farm Bureau members, is something that in legislative speak we call pay fors. And that basically is slang for how are we going to pay for all of these proposals that the Biden administration is putting forward. And this is what Congressman Smith is going to touch on. So just a little bit of historical context for you. You've probably seen a lot of proposals floating around related to tax increases. The first and quite frankly, one of the most scary items we hear about is a proposal to reduce the estate tax threshold. Now, there are a lot of numbers floating around Currently under the estate tax, that threshold is $5 million per individual or about $11 million per couple. And remember, under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act passed a few years ago, that threshold is going to revert back to $5 million per couple after 2025. So that's something we're paying a lot of attention to. I have seen proposals uh, that want to reduce that threshold as low as $3.5 million dollars. Um, so there are there are a lot of proposals floating around. That's something that Missouri Farm Bureau is paying very close attention to. We've talked about it on this series before, uh, but this is an issue where Farm Bureau has always drawn a line in the sand. I had to smile. I was looking back uh, through some documents the other day, trying to get a hold on where we've been as an organization on the estate tax. Um, and you can see this big file sitting back on my desk. This is very thick. Um, the documents I have found goes all the way back to the year 1997. So we have a long history of standing strong on this issue. 
and we will continue to do so as different proposals are floated. There's also a proposal to eliminate the stepped up basis, which of course is equally as important to farm and ranch families and really anybody who wants to pass property down from generation to generation. One very scary proposal that we have seen over the past few days is a proposal uh, that would institute the capital gains tax at the time of death. And I had a hard time wrapping my mind around this concept, but basically what's been proposed is that when you pass away and your heirs inherit whatever property you have passed along to them in their inheritance, they, instead of waiting and not having to pay capital gains until they potentially sell that property, would have to pay the full capital gains tax on that at the time of your passing. So you're, they would classify your death as a sale of the property. So in that proposal, they've also proposed to raise the capital gains percentage to the maximum percentage. So that's a very scary proposal. That's something we're paying a lot of attention to. Um, another pay for that doesn't really relate to capital gains or estate tax or stepped up basis uh, and something that's getting a lot of media attention is the Biden's proposal to increase the corporate tax rate to 28%. Now, this proposal uh, is very different. The current corporate tax rate is 21%, which was passed in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. So like Garrett mentioned, there are a lot of different proposals and provisions uh, that are kind of in the pipeline. What you probably will hear uh, and what I have even heard from the Biden administration is, well, in the American Jobs Plan or the infrastructure bill, uh, they did not target eliminating stepped up basis to pay for that. Well, while that might technically be true, it is very likely that this additional spending bill, what I referred to as the caring economy package earlier, will contain provisions related to the estate tax and stepped-up basis. I was on a webinar earlier this morning with NFIB, National Federation for Independent Business, and they had an analyst on there um, for, who had worked on the House Ways and Means Committee during the past Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. He predicted uh, that this summer, those two spending packages, that infrastructure package that we've heard about and the caring economy package, are probably going to be merged together and it's very likely that the Senate will try to pass that package through the reconciliation process, which is a process that only requires 51 votes in the Senate in order to make a bill become law. So um, the House has said, uh, Speaker Pelosi has said she wants to pass some version by July 4th. Uh, in Congress, that's a pretty lofty goal. Uh, things don't always move as quickly as politicians want them to. Um, but a deadline to keep in mind is that we do have a surface transportation bill that expires September 30th. So I do expect that we're going to see action on some sort of infrastructure package, uh, probably later this spring and into the summer. The real question, I like to say, and Eric Bull and I use this phrase all the time, right now, uh, with the majority so thin in the U.S. Senate, everybody is a kingmaker. And two senators particularly to watch are Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona. They're probably more moderate Democrats who have a history of supporting more conservative-based tax policies. Um, so those are two that that are really going to we're going to pay a lot of attention to over the next few weeks. When the margin is this thin, each party needs every single vote to count. You cannot afford to lose a single vote. So uh, those are kind of I guess that's the state of play in Washington as as we see it. Um, I'll be interested to hear Congressman Smith's 
um, remarks because he does have legislation related to repealing a full repeal of the estate tax. And that's what he's going to be touching on today. I'd be more than happy, Garrett, to answer any questions folks have about what's been proposed. And I know you have some comments related to the estate tax and a long history of working on these issues as well. Well, you know, Spencer, we talk a lot about issues never truly go away, right? Uh, sometimes the players involved in the discussions uh, change as we have retirements in Congress. But, you know, I think back a decade or almost 15 years ago as we were working to, to permanently eliminate the death tax or at least raise the threshold, right, to, to make the exemption more favorable for agriculture and small business. And so here we go again as we stare at 2025 and knowing that action is needed. We have Congressman Jason Smith, who has taken the torch in the House of Representatives to, to carry that banner to talk about the need to, for, for certainty, right, uh, for those that we serve. And yet we have uh, leaders in the, administra the administration and leaders in Congress who want to take it completely the other direction. What's amazed me though, Spencer, thus far in this discussion, that it is changed not just from a revenue or a pay for issue, but it is now being uh, framed as a social justice issue, that there's too much wealth transfer in the United States and therefore this is a reason to, to lower the threshold, eliminate stepped up basis, do these things to, to force transfer. And that's what I just struggle, struggle when I think about how hard uh, folks work to, to build and plan for the future, the amount of cost that's associated with um, estate planning. And now to think of it going this direction and, and the context in which this discussion is being framed just tees up very well the fight that we have on our hands. Absolutely. Garrett, one thing you and I have talked about very frequently is, like you mentioned, you know, farmers and ranchers and, and really any small business owner would be in this situation where you spend potentially thousands of dollars working on estate planning. And then at the whim of Congress, uh, the goalpost is moved, right? You may have thought you had a plan. And, uh, you know, four years later or three years later, you know, things could change pretty dramatically. That exemption level of three and a half million dollars, uh, those were levels that were passed. They refer to that as the 2009 exemption. Um, so those are the levels that would have been in place the first couple of years of the Obama administration. So there's a, that causes a lot of uncertainty for our farm and ranch families. And that's ultimately why our organization is advocating a full repeal, because on principle, we believe that your death is not a taxable event and we believe this is wrong. Well, I think back 10 years ago when we put forth uh, an effort to, and recorded a video, both with a Farm Bureau family in Northwest Missouri who was working on the estate planning process from the standpoint of growing their business to, to incorporate their two sons into, into the operation. Then we also talked to a young couple um, down south of Springfield who were in the latter stages of a 10-year payment plan with the Internal Revenue Service. And, and this family became subject to the estate tax after a grandfather passed away and the farm transferred not to the next generation, but it skipped a generation. And all the planning that had been done ultimately didn't make a difference in this specific case. And I will never forget uh, their story as they talked about 
the sacrifices that they were making as a family to keep that operation going, to keep the farm going and in their hands to plan for the future. And this was a young couple. And I'll just never forget sitting there thinking, how is it right that a thousand miles away, uh, folks can set an arbitrary line and decide you're okay if you're under it, but not okay if you're above this arbitrary line. That's the discussion that, that we're going to have over the next few weeks and months. And you'll see later, uh, we're going to put a link on the screen, members, that we want you to, to share any stories that you have uh, with regard to estate tax planning or maybe an issue that uh, you've experienced as a, as a family. So please give some thought. I mean, the last time that we really made this call to action was probably about a decade ago. So um, if, you, if you would be so inclined later as a part of this program, we'll provide a link uh, of where you can go to through the Legislative Action Center to share whether you have experienced it or if you know someone in your family or have someone in your community uh, that has experienced the wrath <laughs> of, this, of this unjust tax. So, so really, I think Spencer, you've teed it up well that this infrastructure discussion is much broader than just infrastructure that you and I may, may think about, right? Um, in many ways, uh, there was a great op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal this week about the infrastructure plan being in many ways the Green New Deal, but being framed as, as an infrastructure package, just because so much of this package really is focused on alternative or, or renewable energy and a whole lot more. Um, so much discussion yet to come. Uh, as we wind down the state legislative session here in Jeff City and continue to, I think we'll have one more virtual legislative briefing session, but just know we're going to continue to keep you apprised as to these issues um, as they further develop. Yeah, Garrett, and I think I heard an interesting statistic on my webinar this morning, and I, I looked it up, and it is indeed true. You mentioned framing this as a Green New Deal and a tax hike uh, as being kind of like a wolf in sheep's clothing and, and a disguised as an infrastructure package. Did you know, I, I bet you might not have, that uh, the amount of funding in the proposed American Jobs Plan for only electric vehicles is more than the amount proposed for roads, bridges, and other what we would call surface transportation infrastructure combined. I had to look that up to be sure that was true, and, and it is a fact. So you're exactly right. This is um, this is the administration pushing their environmental and climate agenda uh, on all Americans, but especially farmers and ranchers. And Eric Bull, uh, if you are on Zoom, Eric Bull did put in the chat box. So if you look at the, I guess, bottom of your screen, uh, you'll see the link to our action center where you can tell your tax story. Uh, there's no story too big or too small. Uh, and please do not be shy. Uh, we will not share any information, uh, any personal information without your uh, permission and say so. But as we are working to build up our arguments and, and really start our public awareness campaign, if you will, on this issue, um, those stories uh, work. When I was working in Congress, those were the most powerful stories to tell to legislative staff and to legislators themselves. If you're watching on Facebook, in the description of this live video, you will see the same link. Uh, so please go ahead. Um, we'll also be sending that out in our weekly newsletter, uh, which will come out on Monday, April 19th. So 
please, please, please do not be shy. Um, if you have questions about any of these proposals or uh, if you're just looking for, for somebody to talk to or somebody to give a better explanation, please do not hesitate to contact us at the home office. Garrett, I think Congressman Smith is just about to join us. Do you have any final, uh, final thoughts or comments before he jumps on? Well, again, we'll, we'll listen to what the congressman has to say. He will have the most current information in terms of the lay of the land in Washington, D.C. on all things tax and budget. Uh, just I know that you all share my alarm for, for what we're hearing and starting to see as these proposals are at least laid out. Spencer's correct. We don't have legislative text yet. Uh, but we should be concerned about what is out there and know that Farm Bureau has as a responsibility and an obligation to all of you to make sure that we are doing everything we can to make sure that your policy positions, our policy positions are taken into account and are certainly known by our, by our delegation. So if you do have questions for Congressman Smith, uh, like I said, his staff texted and he's running just a few minutes behind. So please go ahead. If you do know that you want to ask a question, you can go ahead and type that into the Q&A box or into the chat box on Zoom. If you're joining us on Facebook, uh, you can type a comment onto the Facebook Live. And then Eric Bull, if you're able, would you provide the phone number again so that people who are on the phone can text their questions to you? Yeah, absolutely. Let me pull that up. The phone number, if you are just listening to us on the phone, if you'd like to text a question in, is 573-326-4501. Again, that's 573-326-4501. All right, great. Thanks, Eric. Uh, Garrett mentioned there's a lot of uh, really exciting things going on at Farm Bureau right now. Garrett, are there any other items uh, you'd like to mention or other staff while we wait for the congressman? Well, Spencer, I will say since we've talked a little bit about infrastructure, uh, it wouldn't be a virtual legislative briefing without mentioning broadband, right? Uh, so uh, I'm excited to report that we'll have the chance to testify before a subcommittee of the House Transportation Committee later this month to talk about broadband and, and economic development. So it looks like the congressman, though, has, uh, has joined us, our distinguished congressman uh, from the 8th District, uh, no stranger to Farm Bureau, uh, recipient of the Friend of Farm Bureau Award every time you've been eligible, congressman. And... We've spent some time uh, teeing this up for you uh, in terms of all things taxes. Uh, Spencer has talked about infrastructure. Congressman, it goes without saying, I, you know, I've been part of a lot of these tax discussions for years. And now to hear the rhetoric morphing to, well, we, we, are, we are transferring too much wealth. This is about social justice. All these things that are now being factored into the discussion about tax policy it is really alarming. So I'm teeing it up for you to tell us what's the lay of the land and what should we be watching for in the days and weeks ahead. So Congressman. Garrett, it's, it's great to be with you. It's good to see you as president of Farm Bureau. Um, glad, to, glad to have you in that capacity and um, see where, you, where you've been. Um, what's going on up here is, is truly tragic serving on the Ways and Means Committee and, and helping be one of the co-authors of the, the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act, we were able to do some pretty significant changes to the tax code 
that um, helped farmers and, and agriculture businesses and just all families throughout throughout the country, really huge impacts in Southern Missouri and, and, and outstate Missouri. But uh, something that, and what's being proposed right now is just virtually reversing most of that. Um, the upcoming proposal of just increasing the business rate from 21 to 28% uh, will, will have a huge impact, not just on those businesses, but on their employees, their wages. Um, they will ultimately be the ones that's getting the, the effect of it more than, more than anyone. And, and that's a domino effect that's pretty tragic. If you're looking at the proposals of, of what's out there from 21 to 28% on the business rate, that will actually uh, be higher than the business rate for communist China. And that right there creates a competitive disadvantage um, where virtually um, uh, a factory in Mexico, Missouri would be rewarded by firing their employees, closing their factory in Mexico and moving to Beijing. Um, that's what this, this proposal ultimately does. Um, something that we've also worked on um, to try to, to completely eliminate is the death tax. The death tax or the estate tax, however, it's the death tax. Um, uh, we initially was very successful in the 2017 tax tax cuts. Uh, the House passed version completely eliminated the estate tax, the death tax. Um, but then through the negotiations, through the reconciliation issues, through the bird rules, um, and they, they, they didn't completely eliminate it, but we doubled it. We doubled it to roughly 11 million per person, um, a couple 22 million, but that only lasts until 2025. And then it expires and goes back to five, half of that five and a half million per person. However, the proposal that's coming forward, um, and these tranches of packages that the administration is offering will bring it down to three and a half million per person. Um, that's, that's a huge change from 11 to three and a half million. And people are saying this is for the wealthy. Let me tell you, a farmer in Southeast Missouri in our congressional district where you're talking about per acre is eight to $10,000 per acre. It doesn't take much whenever a loved one passes on and that family farm that's been there a long time to be over these thresholds. Then they have the, the, the share to the gov uncle Sam. And it's just, it's, it's a horrible domino effect, but what's also even worse is what they're proposing is eliminating the step up basis. That right there is a second death tax um, in my opinion, and it will be devastating devastating to the folks um, uh, across rural America and even in urban areas where it's small businesses or, or whatever you have it. And then the increase the, the capital gains tax, that's another effect that, that you'll see throughout this. So we got a lot of fights on our hands and I'll tell you, um, you know, we, we're the sponsor of the original um, death tax repeal bill and it's, it's filed right now. We have 140 40 sponsors. That's the most we've ever had. 
in Congress, even whenever Republicans were in the majority, we did not have this many as co-sponsors. So we're building some support. I will say it's bipartisan. We only have one Democrat, but we're trying for more. Um, but when you're in a majority right now in Congress, uh, Speaker Pelosi, if we can pick up three Democrats, Garrett, if we can pick up three Democrats, we can stop this stuff. And that's what we have to work in, in trying to make sure that these policies don't come come forward. But we got our hands full. There's there's no question. And and whether it's on the Ways and Means Committee or the Budget Committee that I serve on, this is what we're doing the full court press on. So it's it's it if these policies come forward, you're talking about how devastating from a tax perspective. And I haven't even started on some of the environmental Green New Deal items that's um, proposed in these packages. But we got we got a lot before us. So I'd be happy to Garrett take questions or whatever you all want, but that's kind of a summary of the current tax proposal and the one that's coming in tranches. Well, first of all, let me say one, I'm, I'm glad that you are where you're at in terms of the certain, the committees of jurisdiction that you are serving on are so, so important uh, as these discussions unfold because the money's got to come from somewhere, right? So, so let me say thank you because you're on the front lines serving on these committees, uh, right at the heart of the discussions. I'd also say, you know, Missouri has a long history of leading the fight to repeal the death tax, and Kenny Holsoff held that torch at one point, and we're really proud that you have taken that torch uh, and showing yet again that Missouri leads on this issue. So, so thank you for doing that. It's so important. It's so important to our people and, and the outside groups will say that this is about the wealthy. This is about the normal farmers who are land rich, but cash poor. And whenever they face a tragic death, it, it can devastate their families. So thank you for the, the kind words, Garrett. Just happy to be here and serving the folks. Well, you, you mentioned China a minute ago, and we have had a question come in. Um, again, ways and means, you oversee trade. What are you hearing in terms of oversight uh, of trade with China? We've had a question come in just about what, what your thoughts are with the status of trade negotiations. I mean, obviously, phase one's in, in effect, but what's happening within the Ways and Means Committee? What are you hearing? You know, I am... Uh... I am definitely pleased with President Biden's appointee as the USTR trade ambassador. Uh, I'm not necessarily usually the, the uh, most positive person when it comes to the Biden administration, but I will say that uh, he could have picked someone that wouldn't, would not be as helpful. And uh, the young lady that he picked actually served on the Ways and Means Committee was the trade council we know very well and not we don't agree a hundred percent but definitely i think will be very helpful in um trying to create some of these trade agreements trade is typically bipartisan and hopefully it will continue to to go that way because we're all fighting for american farmers and small businesses and manufacturers um american workers and i I think that we're going to um, hopefully still see an aggressive push to make sure that that agriculture has a very solid seat at the table and making sure China falls through 
with uh, some of the agreements, but also that those agreements get stronger and better. Um, and hopefully we can continue to have significant trade trade negotiations that lead to agreements with say Vietnam, um, other Asian countries that uh, could be very helpful, but they need to be appropriate. Um, some of those tariffs that we have for our agriculture products in these countries are, uh, are just unacceptable. And our farmers, if we have a level playing field, no one can compete with us. And I think that they know that, and sometimes it's not always helpful, but we also have to look at Europe. Um, some folks that are supposed to be our strongest allies, when it comes to agriculture trade with them, they're not. And they put in these trade barriers that, that definitely can hurt our farmers. And we have to be pushing solidly on these trade barriers. I've been meeting with different ambassadors from the European Union, of course, the United Kingdom. And that process is, is going to continue, but um, it's still too early to know exactly where President Biden's going to be on a lot of these issues. But right now, it's, it's so far, uh, I, I like who the USTR ambassador is. And I, I think that that's going to go a long way in, in pushing forward these policies. Okay. So you mentioned Green New Deal uh, a few minutes ago, and I think we're all very aware at this point that all things carbon seems to be spanning. Uh, the president was serious when he talked about an all the government approach to, to climate change. Can you at least, you've been part of this discussion for a number of years now, tell me how much time is actually spent on the science aspect anymore in terms of what we're going to achieve in terms of the outcome versus the prescriptions. Because one of the questions that have come in is just, okay, what, what are we hoping for in terms of the outcome with all that's being put on the table here? So how would you uh, frame up the discussions as you hear them on Capitol Hill with all things climate? Garrett, um, facts and science are words that um, the other side of the aisle likes to use a lot, but not always pay attention to. Um, if, if they don't like the facts or the science, then it doesn't matter. Um, we can say we've seen that with the mask. I'm just <laughs> being in a pandemic. Uh, we can, I mean, children under two definitely don't need a mask, but that's not what you always get um, here, but that's a different tangent. When you talk about um, climate and, and these policies, look, at, look no farther than our farmers, Gary. And this is what we have to do a better job about is showing how we are the best stewards of our land, that we are the true conservationists, that, that and, and the Republican Party is a party of conservation. We have always been, but Republicans sometimes are afraid to embrace and to talk about it. And whether you look at the soil and water programs that we do in the state of Missouri that are so helpful and that really take care of, of our land, but also allows us to be more efficient and utilize it, that's what we need to do. Whether it's the Trillion Trees program that, that President Trump um, worked with uh, Leader McCarthy and also uh, Congressman Westerman from Arkansas. These are ways to, to, to help with climate and those issues by planting more trees. 
this is something we do in Missouri. We believe in using using our forest. Um, I mean, we're huge promoters of the Mark Twain and making sure that our forest is properly managed and it's a renewable resource. Harvest those trees that are dying, plant the new ones. And, and it creates an economic engine for, for all of the industries that we see throughout, throughout our state, multiplying effect. But there's climate approaches that can be done in a fashion that every, every conservative and every liberal would be able to embrace pretty, they just make sense. However, a lot of people just wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and it, it, trying to push policies that are unrealistic and, and not approach. We have to use all of our resources in this country um, to think that you're going to, you know, everyone's going to have an electric car in Southeast Missouri or throughout our state, that, that's, that's not going to happen. Um, we have folks that, that don't even have running water in some parts of our state. Uh, and they're just trying to put food on their table. Um, but they probably have a much smaller carbon footprint than Zar Carey, who flies in his private jet all over, all over the country. So, um, we can work together, but the policies that they are pushing right now in the infrastructure package aren't the policies that work. Uh, the $2.3 trillion infrastructure proposal that's coming in, $600 billion is funding the Green New Deal initiative. The word Green New Deal is not popular, so now they're trying to call it infrastructure, and that's, that's what they're doing. I mean, you look at this infrastructure package, for example, it's coming through um, Congressman Graves's committee and also through the budget committee in the end. We're the ones who brings ways and means and transportation and ENC all together. Less than 6% is going to roads and bridges. Less than 2% is going to locks and dams and airports and ports, which is extremely important. We all want those provisions. Less than 5% is going to broadband. Those are items that Republicans and Democrats will tell you that is infrastructure. Where we get into the other issue, now they're coming up with a new definition of infrastructure, of human infrastructure, or environmental infrastructure, or let's expand Medicaid infrastructure. It's just like, it, it's something. But we could work on some things, and I hope they choose to go that path. Uh, we're waiting and willing. I know Congressman Graves has met with the president. I know that some other members of Transportation Committee has met with the president in the last week. He says he wants to work together, but it hasn't showed it yet. So what do you, what do you think the timeline is going to be for an infrastructure package? I mean, you referenced, I mean, three committees that will have a hand. What, what do you think it looks like? I think you're going to start seeing it get pretty busy in May. Um, today is April 15th. April 15th is the deadline for Congress to pass a budget. Um, infrastructure is going to be pushed through reconciliation, which is created by the passage of a budget. Um, as of last week, the, the president, the President Biden, be, he created history. In fact, Garrett, he was the latest president in the history of this country to offer a budget. And it wasn't even really a budget. It didn't, it didn't have anything in it in regards to mandatory spending, which makes up 75% of the budget. It was only 58 pages. They call it a skinny budget. I would say it's a back of an envelope budget. Um, in fact, 
in that budget that was presented last week, which was more than 70 days late, um, climate change was mentioned 146 times. Border security was mentioned three. And clearly we have a huge crisis at our Southern border. And we've had a 71% increase of illegal migrants crossing the border just in the last 60 days. But Homeland Security had a 0% increase in funding in that proposal, but everything else had an average of 16% across the board increase. They, they got a long way to go before they get this budget passed. Um, and they have to pass the budget to get the reconciliation in order to move the infrastructure package. What I would say, Garrett, is, is that they may try to pass a uh, pass an infrastructure package, not going through reconciliation out of the House. By the time the Senate gets it, then they'll be through the process of maybe doing the budget budget resolution with the reconciliation to move forward. I do know I was uh, I met with Senator Senator Graham, who is my counterpart on the Senate Budget Committee. Bernie Sanders is also my counterpart. Um, well, we don't have a lot in common, um, but there is an attempt for a bipartisan infrastructure package, but I don't think that the the squad on this side of the building is going to go for that um, by the time it gets there. But the bipartisan transportation package that's being um, negotiated right now in the Senate is roughly six to seven hundred billion dollars, and is truly infrastructure. Um, I think you could see a lot of Republicans get behind it. And it would be funded in an appropriate way instead of like on the backs of farmers and working class Missourians. Uh, But I would say mid-May, you're going to see an aggressive aggressive push. But July is probably when it's going to, it's really going to get serious. Okay. Guess we better buckle up and get ready for a uh, bumpy ride the next few weeks. It's a ride. Boy, I'll tell you, when I went over to the budget committee, I, 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 we still had the Senate majority. But then on January 5th, when we lost the Senate majority, it, it changed where reconciliation became the vehicle. And so um, almost half of all the rule bills that's came out of uh, off the House floor has come through our committee. So it's been a as chairman for our as Republican leader for three months, it's been a we're, we're, we're riding the bull right now. So I'll tell you that. Um, well, stay on the bull. We will ask that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, no kidding. Well, we really appreciate your, your time today. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to mention to, uh, to our members uh, who are tuning in or maybe watching a little bit later? No, I just, I appreciate what you all do at Farm Bureau. Um, I can remember, uh, just, Early on, I see uh, some of the names that are very familiar that I've worked with, even from this state rep, and now as a member of Congress. Uh, your voice in the halls of Washington um, in the halls in Jefferson City has been extremely helpful in making sure that the policies that truly affect my bosses, the people that I represent in, in Southeast Missouri and who I represented as a state rep, um, you're a very strong voice for them. And so I appreciate that, Garrett. Keep that up. Um, I can't say that about a lot of entities. Uh, sometimes they're blinded by 
things that's not always in the best interest of their members. You all are not. And so I appreciate that. And it means a lot and happy to be with you. Well, appreciate your time. Um, you are known for your work ethic, Jason, and just know that with everything going on, we just, we can't thank you enough. We're right there with you. Uh, you'll be hearing more out of us uh, as we approach death tax and some of these issues and fighting for uh, not just our members, but what's right, right across the board. Exactly right. Um, just thank you. We'll be in touch and tell uh, your staff thank you as well. We appreciate y'all. Appreciate it, Garrett. All right. Take care. Take care. All right, we are quickly approaching wrap-up time. I will ask Spencer, Kelly, Leslie, Eric, if there's anything that they want to, to make sure to bring up. I will note again um, the call to action for any estate tax stories uh, that you all may have either on the planning side or the experience on the back end. Um, there, there has been a link that's been provided if you want to go to the Legislative Action Center to be able to, to weigh in. Or, as always, feel free to pick up the phone and, and give us a call and, and share us your story. Uh, again, we'll be making plans for the, for the next virtual legislative briefing. Uh, again, probably giving you a, a lay of the land in terms of where our priority issues uh, sit as we think through uh, the remainder of the state legislative session. Um, anything else, team? If not, uh, thank you all very much for tuning in. Uh, get some work done, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon.